Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Chanker, who I refer to as Stuart, thanks to his invitation. Welcome back, everyone. Stuart, welcome. Thank you very much. I would love to talk with you about philosophy today, because I know you're a professor of <laughs> philosophy and psychology, but instead we're going to talk a little bit about your book. Tell us about self-reg, which, by the way, opens up all kinds of interesting ideas that spin through my head. So I'd like to ask you about the title, but tell us a little bit about you know the book and, and why you wrote it. Uh, well, we've been studying something called self-regulation for a long time. Uh, the reason is because we're seeing a generation of kids that are overstressed. We wanted to know why, and we wanted to know what to do about it. One question I have for you is, I love to learn about why people and why your thoughts are that more people are overstressed today than ever. I find that quite interesting. How do you, is there a stress you know, barometer, if you will, that allows us to look at look at the data and you know, how many, is it how many people are being treated or how many people are actually feeling the stress or are, are known facts of, of things that cause stress and those things increasing? Tell us about that data because I find that, that contention as I was reading about the book quite interesting. What is the guide that you use to, to declare that, that children are, are more stressed today than ever? Well, it really is a terrific question. Uh, what we go by are the number of problems we see in either behavior, uh, emotional management, or in attention. And those numbers of kids that are kids of all ages that are having problems have been going up and up for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And we see it happening in more kids, but also we see the problems themselves are getting uh, more severe every year. So that's really what was behind our thinking here. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had I'm a I'm an idea person, and I've had lots of theories while why why we might be under more stress. I I, I think that parents are probably under more stress these days with pressure for dual income. Yeah. You know, the, the the pesticide problems might be getting yeah. uh, water yeah. contamination. I mean, you know, I'm like yeah. one of those paranoid individuals that thinks of every possible thing that could go wrong. <laughs> Um, and then I, I developed theories in my mind that I then want to try to save the world from all these problems with some new invention or business that I start. But uh, but fortunately, I'm busy with the current business. But um, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on that? What do you think is causing more stress? Well, Byron, I think that's exactly it. Um, mm-hmm. So what we look at are we look at stresses in five domains. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned two of them. You mentioned... Uh, Uh, environmental stresses, which have gone up, and Mm -hmm. social stresses, which have gone up. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also look at at something called hidden stressors. Mm -hmm. And those are things that are stressing the nervous system, uh, which we really don't know until the problems sort of erupt on us. Mm -hmm. Define, you know, a cure for this, if you will. Is it a methodological cure that you talk about in the book? 
Um, is it a medical-related cure? How do you cure the stress? The stress will seem to always be there, obviously. It's how you handle the stress, I'm assuming. But do you view that yeah. as, a, as a medical diagnosis and in, 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 in potential remedy? or a methodological one. Tell us a little bit about your distinction there because there's a lot of different treatments going on out there right now. Yeah, again, another really good question. We see it as a method. And uh, so what we do is uh, we ran a big clinical program on this to find out if the method works and it does. So what we do is there are five steps. And the first step is uh, recognizing the distinction between what we call stress behavior and misbehavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when it is stress behavior, the next steps are figure out what the stresses are, reduce those stresses. Uh, probably the biggest step is helping teenagers learn what it feels like to be calm, uh, which is a forgotten phenomenon these days. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is uh, discovering what works for an individual kid or teen to get them back to calm self-regulating practices. Hmm. Have you ever seen the the show The Dog Whisperer? No, I have not. Oh, it's <laughs> but, brilliant. But it's a good question. It's a good question because this has an awful lot to do with uh with whispering and we've actually written about that. Yes, it it's a magical uh formula really that um that the show talks about. But I'll describe it to you. I mean it you know, as it turns out um, you know, I, I, well, let me ask a question to this way. So the magic of the dog whisperer is that he, you know, dogs by nature want to be dominant, many dogs, and as a result of that, they get into lots of problems. And so the dog whisperer can come in and immediately become the dominant force and to teach the owners of the dog to put that dog back in its right place, which is to be rule-following, obedient, and kind and caring and loving all the time. Love it. But, yeah, right, it. it's it's an amazing show. You you must watch it because it, it it's just yeah, fasc it. it's fascinating. Do you think yeah. the same thing could be applied in the case of, of of stress management? Is 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 this concept of the outside world invading your inner world and dominating it, and your reaction yeah. to that outer world? Is that the problem here? And is is your solution therefore a kind of a whispering type of solution? It's a fascinating question, and I'll tell you why. I was trained in psychiatry by a guy called Stanley Greenspan, mm. and we used to refer to Stan as a child whisperer, uh. and, and he was really quite magical. Uh. But the question that we had, the question I had when I started was, okay, now uh, I learned from him how to do this. Is this a method that we can share with every single parent, uh -huh. and how do we share it? Right. And it turns out that your point is exactly right. Yeah, uh, you know what? We get better and better at it as we start to practice this. But right from the start, as soon as you understand these ideas, you notice a big change in the kid. And it's exactly the same kind of change as what you're talking about. That yep. kid starts to calm down and yep. learn how to do it for himself. Right. Caesar Milan is the name of the, the individual, by the way. Oh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard of Caesar Milan. Yes. Now. Yeah. And his shows and his whole approach is magical. Let, let's talk about child development for a little bit. Obviously, you're an expert in that. Um, you know, what are the what are the keys that begin to trigger stress with children? You know, dysfunctional families. Um, you know, being bullied. You know, physical size. You know, other. Uh, you know, adaptation of, of you know your body catching up to your body or the other way around. 
having your mind not catch you know be more advanced in your body or your body more advanced in your mind what what is the what are the common roots that parents should be looking out for the the, the signals if you will well you know all of those are correct we actually when we when we do this we start at the beginning so the first stressors are being born and what we look at there, that's where this theory was really started. Uh, and so they looked at things like noise, uh, too much uh, light, too much visual stimulation. And so one of the things that's going on with kids today are, uh, is a dramatic increase in the kind of uh, sensory load that they have. Too much going on, too many crowds, too much noise. Uh, so we begin by identifying those physical stresses, and then from there we start to go a little deeper into the kinds of social stresses you just talked about. I'm sure there are cases where it's impossible to eliminate the causes of the stress. Um, you know, what do you do in a situation like that? How can your methodology That's apply? A great point. That's, that's just a terrific point. And the reason it's so important is because the kid needs stress. Uh, so we really distinguish between positive and negative stress. Positive stress makes a child grow spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, negative stress is just a drain on their nervous system. So what we want to do is we want to reduce those negative stresses as much as we possibly can so that they have the energy and the resources to tackle the positive stresses that will make them a successful human being. Could you give us some examples? Yeah, of positive versus negative. Well, here's a real interesting one. Uh, So we run this self-reg program now in classrooms and school boards across the country. And we came into one class, and uh, it was very, very noisy. And the noise, what the noise does is it's a stress in a classical sense burning energy. So we tried different things and we ended up putting headphones, the kind of headphones used for a chainsaw on the kids. And the effect on the classroom was, it was just magical. This class settled right down. Now, the next part is the key. What happened then was they had the energy by reducing those, that negative stress to study, to learn, to focus on their schoolwork, which is a, a stress too, but it's a positive one. So that's a, a nice little example. And life today is full of lots of hidden negative stresses. So you proved the theory there that, that you know, less stress, but do you think that noise and sound and distractions is such that we should all be wearing, our kids should be wearing headphones sets when, when they're in study time during the day? I mean, <laughs> how scalable are solutions to stress? That's my question. So, so Byron, again, another real good question. You've done your homework. So the thing is, every kid is different. And uh, we had a classic example where we had a kid who was overstressed and we suggested to uh, mom and dad that what we needed was a quiet space for him to be able to study. And the kid uh, got overstressed by this quiet environment. And he told us, what I need is I need a background radio. So some kids need noise. Some kids, uh, some kids find it a stress. And what's more, kids are constantly changing. What's a stressor one day may not be the next. So really it comes back to your very first question about why this is a method. With our child, we have to discover for our individual kid what's a stressor and when. And we can only do that 
when we know what are the signs of when he's be, he or she is becoming overstressed, and then we can start to figure out what for my child is a stressor. And they are no two kids are the same. Do you have any any evidence of life betterment after you go through your program for productivity increases or ability to retain information? You know, is there concrete data for the success of, of, of the program in the book? So there is, but the studies that have been done so far have been focused on emotional well-being and social well-being. So the next phase now is there's studies going on right now where they'll look at educational outcomes. But the anecdotal study, like there have been informal studies, but not rigorous ones, and it shows us that basically this is going to be a game changer because all too often what's happened is like there's a very subtle kind of stress called a cognitive stress where a kid doesn't uh, pick up certain kinds of patterns like math. And when we understand why we're seeing a certain behavior, uh, like the frustration that you'll get when a kid can't do this, and there are proven methods now for reducing the stress in that domain, what happens is that all of a sudden, as you see with a program, say, like Jumpstart, kid, by reducing that child's cognitive stress, the kid starts to master math. So there is lots of existing uh, data out there that, what self-reg does is it enables us to repackage, to understand why they were seeing the successes that they were seeing. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. 
at Fjorge. Our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Imagine you were having a conversation with the Department of Education here in the States. What does child development world look like under your tutelage? What would you change about, you know, child development, not just in the parent parenting perspective, but the schooling perspective as well, which is, I'd like to hear separate answers for each of those if I could. Well, um, we started this up here uh, in a very small way. So we just started it with three school districts in British Columbia. And within a remarkably short time, it has gone right through the province and now right through the country. And so one of the questions that we ask ourselves is, why did this happen? And in fact, we've had conversations already. Why is this so relevant to the U.S.? And the reason is twofold. Um, to, uh, the reason why we've seen such an explosion of self-reg in Canada is because on the one hand, you're reducing the stress on the kid. But on the other hand, you're reducing the stress on the teacher as well. And in fact, these are two sides of the same equation. And what's happened is traditionally we've sought to sort of respond to the problematic behaviors we see, whether it's in kids or in teachers, by upping the stress, by putting, you know, race to the top, uh, by um, creating an environment where we think what we're doing is pushing everyone towards excellence. But in fact, what we're actually doing is we're overstressing the entire system. Now, what we saw in Canada as we've done this is that the entire mood in a, in a, in a classroom or in a school is transformed. Um, and you can feel it the second you enter. And I'll tell you one last thing that's fascinating for us. Uh, we have a big problem up here where we couldn't get parents engaged in, you know, their child's education. And when we, went, when we go self-reg, what happens is the, because the whole environment is now much more uh, suited, parents naturally come in, naturally want to become a part of the process, and in fact, start doing self-reg for themselves. So we see this as an essential step for you guys, absolutely essential, especially, well, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So what are you changing specifically in, let's say, the school day. Let's just focus on that. So what we do with the emphasis in self-reg is on self. And so what we need the kids to do, uh, you know, I mentioned those five steps, but the kid has to be the one who learns the five steps. So the kid has to be the one who knows when he's becoming overstressed uh, and what to do about it to get himself back to calm. So what happens is the school day, self-reg is embedded at all points of the school day. And what we'll have, I'll give you one simple example. We've had tremendous success up here with uh, stationary bikes that we put at the back of the classroom. And for certain kinds of kids, this has an instantly calming effect. 
where they'll either uh, do their work on the bike or go back to their desk. But the point here is not to schedule a time. Now you should go and do it. The point is that the kid has to learn when should I, when do I need to get on the bike or whatever it is that gets me back to calm. And it, it becomes a seamless part of the school day where uh, kids are naturally self-regulating rather than us trying to schedule, you know, now what we're going to do is let's have 15 minutes of breathing and meditation, which, by the way, uh, can be really stressful for quite a few of the kids. Hmm. Yes. Does uh, that, does that answer your question? It it does, but it opens up another series of questions, and that is, yeah. does this become a license to be distracted and to also have people question the distraction of people around them, you know? So you're sitting in a classroom, a and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was a huge question. That was That was one of our very first questions and a huge one for us. So let's say we're talking about having the bike. Uh, yeah. um, wouldn't that be, that was our big question, right? Wouldn't that be a distraction for the other kids? Or would you have fights about who gets to be on the bike? And what we found was, um, first of all, we did have to create a manual for teachers so that they knew how to introduce this. Mm-hmm. So let's take a little bit of coaching so that the kids understand you have to have certain rules around these practices. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the exact opposite of what we were expecting because typically the ones who were benefiting were the ones who were the big distractors in the classroom. And what happens when you calm them down is, A, they stop that, but B, the other kids can see the effect that this is having on Johnny. Or, and so they, want, they naturally want to find out what works for me. And one of the things that uh, we coach the teachers on pretty carefully is uh, something called individual variability. You have to help each kid find what works for them. What do they find common? So I've got another kid who does want to do yoga or breathing, and we create, we have masks, etc. When you walk into a self-regulated classroom, and everyone talks about this continually, uh, and you can see various reports about this on our website, on the Merit Center website, where we publish what teachers are saying, but the overall impression you get when you walk into the class or into the school is one of calmness. Uh, so it's quite interesting how you can have activities going on, yet you will immediately see that everybody's on task, that the kids, even while they're doing something on the bike, are studying, are reading, or doing their homework. And we do, in fact, equip the bikes with that. Is the distractor, however, not the problem in in the example that you just said? In our, I was imagining a wonderful cartoon where, you know, everyone is on bikes and the one distractor, the problem maker is at his desk looking back at everyone's on the sort of like, you know, where'd everybody go? I need to do my job to distract you, but there's no one around to distract. So he goes and sits on a bike and then everybody on the bikes goes back. And you know what I mean? So (laughs) you're not solving the problem. So then the question, the question that that raises is why was there the problem? Why was he distracting? And the answer turns out that he's doing it because, uh, so it's a complicated neural story, but basically uh, the impulses that are coming are the result of a shift that goes on in his brain when he's overstressed, where the thinking part, the reflective part of the brain shuts down. And the limbic system, the, uh, the source of you know, strong emotions or impulses becomes hyper 
Now, what we're doing is when we're doing these practices, we are basically, by reducing the stress, shifting the brain back. So you're turning down the arousal. I hope this isn't too technical, but you're turning down the arousal on the limbic system, and that enables the thinking part to, to, to come back online. The point is that, that when we have that kid who's a distractor, we want to know two things, why and why now. And the answer is always going to be that his, he's become overstressed. So then we're going to figure out why did he become overstressed, what happens when we reduce his stress, uh, and what happens is the distraction sees, and, uh, and that's the key to doing self-reg in something like a, a classroom environment or a social environment. But it's also the key at home too, right? So you're saying that you're solving the self-reg problem with the distractor. Is that correct? You're removing his... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But isn't, isn't we, that we, what he wants? Does the distractor you would think wants to distract, and if he and if he gets what he wants, isn't he going to go more use more of it? It's sort of a dopamine sort of a concept here. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question too. So he doesn't actually know what he wants, and that's part of the problem here. That when that prefrontal shuts down and dopamine, as you say, is running the show, uh, what happens is he's in a very non-reflective state. And what we want is traditionally what we want is we want to teach him. We want to teach him how to, you know, behave properly or whatever it is. But the problem that we've had historically is that when that kid is hyper aroused, he's not processing anything we're saying. He's not even hearing what we're saying. So what we have to do is we have to get him in that state where he can absorb whatever it is that we're trying to impart to him. And the first step is self-reg. The first step is going through those five steps. And then we can start to address, once he is in that calm and focused state, then we can address whatever the issues are, um, you know, whether it's social behavior or whatever. But you will not, all that will happen if you try to push him when he's hyper aroused is you're going to end up with a problem on your hands. And that might be behavior, but it can also be uh, high anxiety, which is exploding on us, even more than behavioral. Stuart, how hard is self-reg to deploy and to put in place? Um, <laughs> Byron, you, you do not ask easy questions, do you? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's my job. It's my job, Stuart. <laughs> Okay, so look, uh, we, when we come into school, let's say a school or a family, reactions vary. And so you're going to get, with some, you're going to get right away, you know, they are intuitively already thinking these terms and they embrace it. But you're going to get others who are so strongly committed to a self-control mindset that they uh, resist this. And they think that, um, no, you know, what kids need are discipline, you know, you punish it out of them. And so we anticipate wherever we go that, uh, you know, you're going to encounter hostility or opposition. But that's understandable. I mean, these are very old paradigms that we're challenging. And so what we do is, you know, we look at this as providing resources. Uh, say I'm going into a school. We look at this as pro providing resources so that teachers can come to this as and when they want to. It will not work if you try to force them. And one of the most interesting things we've seen is that our biggest uh, critics 
uh, in teachers will say, have turned out to be our biggest champions. Once they began, once they could see what was happening in so-and-so's classroom, and I'm going to try a little bit of that myself, because the big, uh, the big game here is that when your kids are, when your students are self-regulating, your own stress level drops quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we want everyone, whether it's a family or a teacher, to come to this as and when they feel ready. But if you try to, if you try to force this, then that's the very antithesis of self-regulation, right? So I'm going to ask it more specifically, like how long are we talking about here to implement the program within a, within a school system, an entire system? Uh, for example, are you gathering and training all the teachers, and that takes a week or two? How many hours of course time does that take? And and obviously the teachers are the ones probably implementing, right, because you're certainly not putting all the kids in, in a large auditorium saying, here's how we're going to act and think moving forward. <laughs> I mean, run us through the complexity of the actual implementation and how many weeks it takes and how much needs to be read, you know, to, to successfully implement. Well, what we do is uh, we actually have four different streams uh, for doing this. And uh, so, you know, there's like a taster course all the way up to doing, we run uh, uh, what are called foundations courses for teachers. And so with the taster, really what's happening is that we just want them to read the book and uh, uh, possibly we arrange for book clubs, things like that, just to talk about these ideas. Now, there was a second part to your question, which is very interesting. How fast, does, how, how long does this take? And the answer is, uh, first of all, let's look at the kid. How long does it take to work on a kid? Uh, we've had kids where it can happen within a day or two, but typically we're talking a decade or two. Uh, in other words, what happens is, this is something where the child or the team will get better and better or the school will get better and better. So what we've done is um, we have this sort of guided process where if after the very first the taster course they want to go deeper, then we go deeper. And eventually what happens is what we'd like to see uh, replicated. Our biggest successes come when within a school you have one or two that have gone through, uh, there are four levels of the foundations course, and they then serve as that resource for the other teachers who don't have that time, um, but who nonetheless are want to be implementing this, want to help the kids and help themselves. Uh, and so the idea becomes that at least in every school, we want someone who really does, has mastered this, uh, to be a, to be there to answer questions, guide the questioning, guide the experimentation. Very much a, a large part of um, self-reg is learning what works for a particular class as well as for a particular for a particular child. So I think that's probably a good enough answer to the question. How do you charge for this implementation? I'm curious. Uh, I don't. <laughs> My, I have an executive director. Uh, so I don't know how she does it. Um, I just get to write books. But, Lovely. Uh, I, yeah, but I, I do know that one of the things that we do is, because this is a not-for-profit, we really were set up to benefit Canada. Uh, and because of the changes that we're seeing, I should just tell you that um, what guided me in all this was I 
was working in a school in British Columbia where kids were ending up um, either with serious mental health problems or ending up in the reformed school system, Borsal. And this broke my heart because I could see what was going on and I wanted to stop this. So what we've done is she uses a sort of, she uses a sliding scale so that it, she, what she charges is according to what, you know, the institutions can afford. Because the point here isn't for us to make a buck. The point here is uh, we need everybody doing this so that, as you can see today, you know, there's an awful lot of hyperarousal going on. And uh, I read a very interesting article in the New York Times this morning, you know, like how do we, how do we start to change this? And we believe that self-reg is going to be a critical factor in this for everybody, not just for the kids. Well, we really appreciate your, your insights today and, and wish you the best with self-reg. Who would you like to get a hold of you and how can they get a hold of you? Um, so we have our executive director's name is Dr. Susan Hopkins. And uh, her, she can be reached at www.selfreg.ca, or uh, you can direct them to Colleen, who uh, set this up with uh, you and me, and sure. Colleen can, can manage that. And let me just say, Byron, that I really feel for all your guests on these podcasts, you, uh, you're pretty tough. <laughs> well, that, that's uh, that's what makes it interesting, I guess. You know, yeah, it's very interesting. Very your, interesting. your answers were fantastic, and we really appreciate you being on the show today. So thanks again for that. You're welcome. Good luck with everything. Right on. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks to Dr. Stuart Shanker and his book, Self-Rag. Enjoy. See you next week. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited 